The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. All right, welcome to the Chronic Podcast. I'm your host, Ralph Marlboro, and if you hear the music in the background, that's DJ Cool, Let Me Clear My Throat, a great intro song. As always, we're doing the intro bracket for Held and his wrestling career, but we'll get to that in a minute because the Saints had actual news today, and it was not good. Uh, so we're joined, as always, by my friend Andrew Juge of the Saints Nation, Kevin Held from Akeem Drops the Ball, our fearless leader, is passed out in a dumpster eating... Fine, fine sushi, but crying because of Victor Butler. All right, Andrew, Victor Butler is injured. He was one of the Saints' main acquisitions in the offseason. I mean, kind of, because Keenan Lewis was the main guy. They paid him a lot of money. Granted, they didn't pay Victor Butler a lot. It was basically a one-year deal, and he's kind of old. But he was a Rob Ryan guy. Uh, A lot of people— He was kind of old. He's he's like he's over thirty, I think, isn't he? Victor Butler? Yeah, I thought he was. No, dude, he's like twenty six. All right, he's not old, but anyway, Mark Ingram, who ruins fucking everything, uh, had a collision with him. <laughs> <laughs> had, a, had a collision with him, and and they thought he was fine. He's not. He blew out his knee and won the annual Cam Cleland Award for uh, worst horrific injury before September. Um, so. What are the what's what's the situation going to be like now at linebacker, Andrew? That is a great question, and I'm not really sure. I know. Um, look, I wasn't a fan of the Will Smith move. First of all, I didn't get it then. I don't get it now. So now Will Smith is a starter with some guy that doesn't know the defense, that doesn't know how to play three four outside linebacker, and is having to learn. So. Uh, I'm, you know, of all the guys that this could happen to on defense, you know, I, I pose the question, like, who, who's the worst? Who's the worst guy this could happen to? And you could argue Keenan Lewis because he's the new signing that they spent a lot of money. You could argue Vaccaro because he's the first-round pick, and if he's having yeah. an injury like that, he's in his first year, that's that's potentially messing up the future. You know, Cam Jordan and Lawson are guys. But I, I really think Victor Butler was right in the mix with those guys. Because, really? Interesting. I do, because I really feel like he was the one blitz guy, the one pass rusher that was a known commodity. He's the one guy that so far has proven that he can get to the quarterback consistently. Um, and, you know, in limited reps, you know, he's had something like 12 sacks in four seasons. So uh, it, it's a blow. I mean, he knew the system. Rob Ryan likes him. Um, you know, it's kind of interesting. I also posted on Twitter about about his contract. Um, his year void, his contract voided after a year based on playing time. Um, so, you know, if he if he was able to play enough, I mean, he negotiated that in his deal. And the idea behind it was um, that if he got starters minutes, you know, if he played enough games and he got enough enough time on the field, to where he kind of proved that he was worth more than the two years, three million they got him for, then he would be able to hit the free agency market again next season with 
uh, a season of starting under his belt, um, theoretically giving him the possibility of getting more money. So uh, now, I mean, obviously he's not going to play this year probably, so you got to assume he's coming back next year. So it could be a blessing and a curse. But, um, I mean, there's nowhere around it. It's a disaster, I think, to the linebacking core. And so now um, you're basically throwing Martez Wilson and Junior Gallette into the fire. Like, before at least they were competing for a spot, they, and, and, you know, they're glorified backups, they're role players. Now one of those two guys has to be the full-time starter, and I hope they're ready. I mean, it's, it's certainly an opportunity for him. Um, and I think it was either you or Kevin that said paging, uh, paging John Abraham. I mean, that, that, that's a great example, too. I mean, I, I think the Saints really need to start thinking about that. Uh, Kevin, do we need to do some sort of uh... – sacrifice to the linebacker gods because the Saints, they lost Chamberlain last year. They had Hawthorne get hurt. And they had another linebacker get hurt last year in preseason two, didn't they? I want to say... It seems, and, that, it, it seems that way. I mean, and, you're and, asking the wrong guy. I have fucking trouble remembering things I did two, two three days ago. Um, um, yeah, I, I mean, fuck, it's like you go through the, run, you go through the running back conundrum and then that leads to drafting, uh, you know, coming back into the first round the next year in 11 and getting Mark Ingram. I, I, it's like I can almost see next year's draft, the Saints just like saying, fuck it, we need to come back into the draft to draft a linebacker and having it be a guy that, you know, half the fans will say is a reach or something. I don't fucking know. I can, I, I can just see the Mark Ingram equivalent as a linebacker being picked up next year. Yeah, <laughs> Andrew, I guess with this defense, you have to look at it as they didn't have a pass rush last year, and now if you don't get a pass, to me, if you don't get something out of Junior Gallette, who at least Junior Gallette is in that Victor Butler category of he's had limited stat snaps, he's shown that he can at least get after the quarterback. We won't discuss his horrible run defense. But if you don't get anything out of Junior Gallette, the rest of it is just wish casting. You're not really basing it on anything but hopes and dreams. So really, to me, it really falls on Junior Gallette, and that scares the shit out of me. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I don't really have that much to add to that. I mean, you know, obviously Martez Wilson is the guy we keep going back to, but I, I mean, at this point, I'm not convinced Martez Wilson is any better than Cedric Koch. I'm not convinced that he he knows how to play football. You know, I mean, I, I just haven't seen anything from him other than numerous boneheads on special teams, bonehead penalties on special teams over and over, roughing penalties, holding penalties, running out of bounds and coming back in. I mean, jumping off sides on fourth and two when the team's trying to punt to you. Um, I mean, that's what I've seen from Martez Wilson, an occasional explosiveness off the edge when he's not getting swallowed on running plays. So, you know, I hope I hope he pans out, but yeah, I mean, if, if it doesn't work out with Junior Gallette, um, the Saints are in big trouble at outside linebacker. Um, you know, it's too bad because I mean, we we've talked long and hard about how 
the void the Saints are of, of young talent. I mean, they really need an infusion of, you know, Roman Harper's not a spring chicken anymore. The ship's starting to sail pretty quick on Malcolm Jenkins. Um, Jabari Greer is aging. Will Smith and Vilmer are way past the prime. So, um, and we and the drafting has been poor um, on that side of the football. And so, there's really not that much young talent. I mean, you, you right now the Saints are hanging their hat on Cam Jordan, and beyond that, there's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring... The best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The guys that they signed in the offseason with Keenan and, and Victor Butler um, and then the drafting of Vaccaro, um, you, you hope that Akeem Hicks and John Jenkins are kind of that next wave of young players to to give the Saints a boost defensively, but um, none of these young guys have really panned out so far, and Victor Butler was entrenched as one of those guys. Um, in fact, I just looked it up. He's not 26, he's 25, so he's young. Yeah. Um, and that, you know, that, that that's a list of players that I really felt like they tried this offseason to really infuse young talent into the defense because um, these guys are aging. The, the talent that they used to have isn't what it used to be. Um, and, and it's getting older by the second. So, um, you know, that now that, that's one guy they've already lost. I mean, if you were going to ask me who would I like to have out for the year, I, I wouldn't feel that bad about Vilma or Will Smith. I'd feel bad for them as people. But if you're talking about performance on the field, those guys are great leaders. They're past their prime in terms of performance. So, um, but, you know, it, you know, the NFL is a next-man-up league, and you've got to look at this, if you're Junior Gillette or Marquez Wilson, as an opportunity. You know, you're, you're moving up one rung in the depth chart, um, and they're, they're never going to get a shot better than this, Ralph. I mean, if the light doesn't come on for those two guys this year, I, I feel like you can kind of forget it for their career. I, you know, I mean, maybe they sign on to catch on with some other team and the light comes on. Sometimes that happens, but... Um, I mean, I mean, right now you've got Will Smith who's com- playing completely out of position, and you got Victor Butler out for the season. So if these guys can't seize this moment, uh, I'm not convinced they ever do. Kevin, um, if you had to guess, what does this mean for the Saints as far as the Rob Ryan defense? Do you think? It means more insanity and more different schemes. Do you think it means uh, 
more coverage? I mean, how do you think it affects maybe how he calls the game? Uh, well, I mean, it affects their ability to get to the quarterback, that's for sure. Yeah, but I, I, I just, I guess I just, well, well wait a minute, who, who am I thinking of? Wasn't Victor Butler like, oh, God, wasn't there a, a, a Saints player that, and I, I, I saw this on Twitter today, it was like some one of the guys who was lined up front was said to be really good, apparently at stopping the run, but apparently couldn't get sacks worth of shit. Oh, that's Kenyon Coleman. Okay, and did you do, did you did you were you the one that broke that shit down? Yes. Okay. All right, and that's where I saw it then. See, I, I'm I see I I have trouble remembering crap from even earlier today. So there you go. Um, drinking finally catching up to me. Um, I don't know. I, 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 I mean, I you want me to pull something out of my ass? I guess yes. I'll just say, yeah, I can see, for sure. Here we go. I can see Rob Ryan being stubborn, and because he's a first, this is his first year here. Maybe Coach Payton just says, "Fuck it, what do you want to do?" And Rob Ryan goes, "Yeah, well, fuck. We're, we're, we're switching formations entirely, and I'm sure his shit not going not going to a four three. We're keeping three four. So let's uh, keep doing what we're going to do. We'll just insert these guys in and see how it goes. Now, maybe if in the preseason nothing looks good, then uh, then hopefully they'll try and switch something up. I mean, if they stick to whatever they're doing and they get the, the, the piss beaten out of them in week one, suck, especially week one against Atlanta, I'm going to be, you know, I'll be screaming to high heaven, switch something up. Well, doesn't it, though, I think the case of you're probably looking at, look, the Saints have some cap room, and to me, John Abraham is not signing anytime soon. He's going to wait until training camp, and he's probably going to say, he's probably saying to himself, Andrew, I'm going to wait for a team like the Saints, and maybe after week two of the preseason, if their defense gets lit up and they don't have a pass rush, Maybe then they'll come to me and give me close to what I want on a one-year deal because that's all I'm going to get anyway. And to me, that would be very, very worrisome if the Saints get lit up by the Chiefs or whoever in the preseason. And then the following Monday, up oh, they sign John Abraham. That would be like beyond red light on the dashboard. That would just be um, – a meltdown. Well, I mean, at this point, I, I don't know. I mean, he had double-digit sacks last year. I mean, he's literally less than six months removed from a double-digit sack season. So, um, when you look at it that way, I just don't see how there's there's any scenario where adding talent of that caliber is a bad thing for, for any defense, especially the Saints right now. Um, based off what they're coming on off of, so regard you know even if a Butler was on team still and healthy, I, I would still love that pickup. So, um, I mean, what's standing in the way is obviously Abraham is biding his time, and like you said, he, he's waiting for a team to get desperate enough to pay him what he wants. So, um, you know, it's tough. I mean, 
we, we've been spoon-fed, you know, based on what we've seen from the Saints, that the problem last year was Spagnuolo and the scheme. It was not the talent. We, we've been spoon-fed that for minute one. So um, I, I don't 100% buy into that, actually. I, I, I don't agree with it. I think talent is, is a big part of why last year was terrible. But I think um, new energy, new coach, new scheme, I, I do think that will be a nice shot in the arm for the Saints. But ultimately – I still think they struggle to perform great because I think they're they lack talent, you know. And so anytime you lose a player that's a young player that has a skill that is like a a great pass rusher, and and I, I view Victor Butler as kind of a pretty versatile linebacker. I don't think he's a one trick pony either. So um, you know, I think Junior Gallet is kind of a one trick pony, but I, I think Victor Butler is a lot more rounded as a linebacker, and uh, so. Uh, it's a blow. I mean, it's a blow any way you look at it. I, I don't. I don't see how you can paint this as anything other than bad for the Saints. Um, now, does it mean they don't make the playoffs? Does it mean they don't have a shot? I mean, you know, time will tell. I. I don't. I don't ever see one player, unless it's Drew Brees, um, as really being make it or break it. But someone's going to have to step up. Um, but I do agree with the concept that came out of Rob Bryan's mouth, and and I, I've been mentioned this. And, and, and on Twitter, and I've gotten comments about this from a lot of people, and I agree with it, is it really starts with stopping the run. In this defense, before they can even worry about rushing the passer, they've got to get the other team in, in pass rushing situations um, and passing situations. And, you know, when you're giving up 5.2 yards per carry um, and you're giving up more yards than anyone on the ground, um, I mean, it, it starts and ends there. I, mean, I well, don't see how you can do anything well. So, I mean, Victor Butler wasn't going to be the main guy that was going to stand. You well, know, I, I feel like Kenyon Coleman and John Jenkins and those guys are going to be able to help more at, at, at that, that facet of the defense. Well, here's the thing, Andrew, a point you brought up earlier. You know, the, the Saints have sort of said, hey, it, the players especially, hey, it's Spagnola. He was, you know, and I really – the thing for the Saints, in my opinion, to make the most improvement they can make on defense – guys, is they need Spagnola to have been terrible because yeah. because there's a greater chance if it's, you know, if, if, if the whatever percentage you want it to break down is whose fault it was last year, you want it to be more Spagnola than the players because the players are still here and Spagnola's gone. And to me, Kevin, a, a, a good sign about the defense this week before Victor Butler was Rob Ryan saying, yeah, our run defense is terrible and it was a scheme issue and we're going to get it fixed. I don't remember or can't think of another, I can think of players doing that, but coaches usually don't throw each other under the bus like that. And is that how much, if you had to guess, how much is that Rob Ryan being boisterous in his normal self and how much of that might be true? At least 75% uh, Ryan family braggadocio. <laughs> At least 75%. I, I mean, hope that's, it's not. That's, that's, that's in the DNA. That's true. That's in the DNA to, 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 be, to, to be that bombastic and that, and that you know, yeah, bombastic. Yeah, I'm, I'll I'll stop there. I'll stick with that one. Um, 
I mean, that, that's what the Ryans do. I mean, fuck, when, when they hired Rob Ryan, if, if you didn't expect Rob Ryan to say something early in training camp, or fuck, even, at the, even after he was, when he was first introduced to me, if you didn't expect him to say something uh, ridiculous or over the top, then maybe you need to check yourself. I mean, he, shit, he's, it's this, and then he, hey, he said something at the signing or after he was signed. He says this. I mean, shit, it, it, he's, he's going to say a couple more things before the preseason starts. You know he's going to say some stuff in preseason. And then I'm sure when the regular season starts, he'll have, I'm sure he'll, he'll have a nugget or two that he'll drop that'll just completely confound uh, our pal Bradley Hanwerger. I I so want Rob Ryan to be able to give us the weekly press conference. Him him and Joe Vitt need to come out and meet the media either before Sean Payton or after. It won't happen, Andrew, but that's I, I so badly want it to. Uh, it'd be awesome, but like you said, it won't happen. No, it won't. If Sean Payton has half a brain, he won't allow it. No, and, but – but I think I think we're gonna still even besides that I think we're gonna enjoy the Rob Ryan era. Um, my my worry with the Saints is you know people say oh Andrew they say oh the 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 Greg Williams he you know he 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 was you know he when the Saints defense was good he really created a blitz and this and that. I don't think that's really accurate. The Saints haven't had a pass rush in going on a decade. There's a difference between having a pass rush and blitzing. Yeah, Greg Greg Williams, he blitzed all the time. He brought five, six, seven. But, Andrew, you watch the tape every week and break it down. It seemed to me he was rushing a lot of guys, but they didn't get there a whole lot. There's a big – I think sometimes fans get confused, and they don't – they can't separate the difference. Yeah, I mean, the one, the one thing I will say is in 2009, uh, Will Smith was beating some guys off the snap. You know, he hasn't really done that since 2009. But in 2009, he was, he was consistently beating guys off the snap, disrupting the quarterback. Yeah, you know, I, I wouldn't. I never viewed Will Smith as an elite player. But in 2009, like yeah, I mean, in 2009, I kind of felt like Will Smith was an upper echelon defensive end, and he hasn't really been that since then. No, I mean they so, they, they paid Will Smith Jared Allen money. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, you know, he certainly wasn't. He's never been as good as Jared Allen, but um, you know, he he's definitely the next tier um, in 2009. So that's the only difference. But yeah, every year after that, um, yeah, I I ran a thing on Saints Nation months ago um, that was basically analyzing the Greg Williams defense, and every year that the Saints. Saints had under Greg Williams, the percentage of sacks that did not come from the front four, in other words, a sack from either a corner, uh, safety, or a linebacker, some seasons was close to 50%. Um, and if you look at all the defenses across the league, um, almost no one had a, a percentage that was that divided. Um, in other words, the Saints were getting as many sacks. They were kind of middle of the pack when Greg Williams was defensive coordinator for the Saints, but pure ratio of defensive line to other, um, it was way skewed for the Saints, which meant they were blitzing way more than anyone else because they didn't trust their front four. So 
Um, yeah, like you said, uh, you know, it, it's kind of, uh, I mean, William, I mean, Spagnuolo's defense was just holes everywhere, right? You just, <laughs> you leak everywhere and, and, and let the other team basically do whatever they want. But uh, Williams was a high-risk, high-return defense. You know, you're going to gamble, you're going to take risks. And, uh, but here's the thing. I, it's silly to feel like um, a defensive coordinator doesn't adapt to the players that he has because, look, Greg Williams, when Will Smith was getting to the quarterback so much, he blitzed less. And if he had an elite pass rusher on his team, um, he wouldn't be blitzing them as much. You know, and, and when and then when, you know, in 2011, when the front four was abysmal and, you know, the Sean Rogers and Abreu Franklin and experiment basically was a, was a total disaster, the Saints are blitzing on every play. So that absolutely, the personnel absolutely affects play calling. Um, you know, so again, it, to me, part of the problem might be scheme, and, but, but, you know, we're, we're talking about talent here, and I still disagree with the Saints' mentality and the message that they send that it was coaching uh, or just purely coaching. But, um, I mean, the main but, – but it's not like they could do anything about it anyway, Ralph, because yeah. they don't have the cap money. I mean, they did a great job to keep the players they had, and they did a great job of adding some pieces on top of that. And that was that, – this offseason, with the position they are with the cap, that was the best they could do. So – you know, for better or for worse, that's they're kind of handcuffed, and that's that's kind of the guys we have the root for. And we just have to hope that some of these young players, especially, the light comes on. I mean, honestly, if it was just one guy that had a remarkable season, like a Darren Sharper-esque season, whether it was Vaccaro, sorry, Vaccaro, or Junior Gallette, or any of those guys, if there was one guy that just exploded and had a huge season, that would make a big difference. Well, if you if you'd pick one guy, you'd want it to be Vaccaro because he's a rookie and he's young, and you and you, as a draft pick, you get four. You, you you're gonna you're gonna get five, you're gonna get five good years. You know, if he if he became a Pro Bowl safety in the Troy Polamalu mold, that's who you'd want because you'd get five great years out of him at below market value. If you're gonna pick, yeah, the, if you're gonna the, pick the a guy, the thing's weird. In fact, I I'm uh, I haven't gotten there yet, but at some point I'm gonna write a blog post about this. The Saints have seven safeties that I love. I mean, the two starters I, I arguably like the least. You got Roman Harper and Malcolm Jenkins. And but then think about your backups. You know how I feel about IAQ. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you should be starting it free. You've got Raphael Bush, who's a good special teamer, and frankly, I kind of liked him at strong safety too last year. I mean, he he played pretty well when he was in there. So I love Raphael Bush. You know, you got Vaccaro, who's in the mix. Then you got this veteran Leonard, who you know Rob Ryan has a huge boner for. <laughs> and then you've got this guy who was on the practice squad, Jericho Nelson, who is kind of a promising young player too. So you've got seven guys at safety. I don't know what the Saints are going to do. I mean, I guess they're going to keep five. That means they're going to do the safety dance, them. Andrew. They're going to keep all seven, and they're going to run the safety dance defense. And I'm going to play the music yeah. in the background. I don't know, man. The Saints, if there's one position they're deep at right now, safety is looking good. So, all right, before we get to the uh, Kevin Held Iron Eagle Tournament of Entrance Music, we need to discuss a couple of Saints players signed elsewhere this week. Kevin, I'm going to start with a guy who the Saints traded up to get, and he, he wasn't a bust in the Jonathan Sullivan mold, but he surely wasn't a 
the number seven pick in the draft. I'm talking about Cedric Ellis. Uh, he signed with the Bears finally, and to me, it just goes to show you how far his stock has fallen because teams are desperate, it seems, for defensive tackles and bodies. And for him to wait that long just shows you how far he's fallen, especially since 2009, when he seemed like he was finally on the cusp of becoming maybe not a Pro Bowl elite defensive tackle, but a really good one. And now he's fighting for a job in the NFL. Just so I can backtrack, because I've been drinking this entire time. Uh, we are we are still we are on Cedric Ellis now, right? We are we are. Well, let, let me tell you something. This is the part of the show where where where, where your old buddy Kevin, I guess, eats eats some fucking crow that he's cooked up himself for himself. Because look, I've been on team give this give the fucker a chance ever since the Saints reached up, uh, you know, traded up to get him. And it fucking didn't pan out. I mean, you know, people want to get on. People want to get on Reggie Bush's balls and call him and, and hammer him and say he was a bust. And people are already trying to get on the Mark Ingram was a bust uh, train. I tell you what, since I was the since I was the fucker that was on team, give him a chance. Allow me to to lay the track, and because I've got fucking Irish uh, ancestry in me, I'm good at track laying. Uh, I'll stop the joke there before I really get into some trouble. Uh, well, let me lay the track for the boy, Cedric Ellis. Uh, he might be, he should be discussed in the uh, biggest Boston, the Sean Payton era. Well, that's fair. Brain. So, uh, it's it's like, I mean, fuck, you, if somebody, if, I don't know what show it was, God, it, you know, but there are shows in which I'm saying, hey, you know, this guy's got to be good. They traded up for him, and then that's that, that, then that uh, moved on to, look, if the guy, the guy doesn't have to go to Pro Bowls, all he has to do is be a solid performer and essentially be a guy who's going to be on the team for the next, you know, 10 years or so. And that's fine if we don't know who he is, as long as he's good enough to be on the team. And if he's a guy who just does his job and, you know, it's like you've got that position locked down. And I can't remember if it was you or Dave that asked I mean, One of y'all was like, Kevin, if you're drafting somebody in the first round, you really ought to be expecting more from them than just a guy status. Now, I may still make that argument down the road, but for this, for, for Cedric Ellis, I got to say that you or Dave, whatever the fuck it was, was pretty spot on with this one. I just, you know, and, and, and I, I guess what makes my my switch uh, so quick is the fact that he signed with the fucking Bears. <laughs> you know, I mean, the only way it could have been worse, I suppose, is if he would have signed with, you know, maybe the Falcons. Or that would have been good because he's not any good. The Saints could have run the ball better against Atlanta. Touche. Touche. Well, they play the bands this year too, so that's not bad. Um, yeah. So, so Pierre, get ready. Well, I think I mean Andrew Cedric Ellis is a is a he's, he's fascinating to me because 
a lot of guys the same shirt. Jonathan Sullivan, we were like, oh, you know, six weeks in, you were like, oh my god, he is a failure. And then he was at the buffet line before. You were just like, he is a he is a fucking failure. He's a bust. Good night. Check, please. You know, and they've had other, obviously the Saints have had other players in that mold as well. But Cedric Ellis is, explain to people, he's a different case because after two, after the Saints won the Super Bowl, he played really well. And it was like, okay, he's coming. It's about to happen. And it just, not only did he not get better, he fell off a fucking cliff. No, you said it perfectly right. I mean, Ed Ellis had... Three seasons, you know, a, a decent rookie year, a good second year, which was an improvement, and then I would say a borderline very good third year. So you you were seeing a steady incline and an increase in performance, and in year three you're thinking, this guy's close to a Pro Bowl. So in year four you're thinking, okay, he's entering his prime now. This guy is you know, he's going to hit that threshold to be a dominant defensive tackle. This this is the year. And that was the year he fell flat on his face. I mean, he absolutely was just awful and terrible. And you can't really blame it on the defensive coordinator because he played two years in the system before that. And, uh, you know, it, it was it was this rotation of bringing in Obreo Franklin and Sean, Sean Rogers. I don't know what it did to him mentally. Um, and I don't really know what it did to his game, but uh, he, he fell off a cliff. He absolutely fell off a cliff. You know, he got a new he got a new new defensive coordinator and a new scheme last year. And all he said in preseason was, you know, this is a lot more about the front four. This fits me a lot better. And there's all this talk about how he was going to rejuvenate his career and, and things were going to switch now. And, and he was even worse. He was even worse last year than his fourth year. So NFL teams see that, and they're like, man, this guy, he sucks now. He's done. He had three good years in the NFL, and then he just, he's just not an NFL player anymore. So uh, he was definitely worth the risk of the, the one-year investment for someone. I'm sure as hell wasn't going to be the Saints, but um, I just don't see – I don't know what happened to him, but to me, I, I just don't view him as a quality NFL player. I just, I'm being honest, I really don't. And no, he never lived up to his seventh, seventh pick status. But I, um, I hate doing this because you know I can't reveal my sources and I can't really get into detail about what I heard. So everyone's saying like, great, yeah, thanks, Juge. Appreciate, appreciate the info. Mr. In the know. I'll go. I know. It's, I'll go. I know. It sounds like I'm, I'm blowing smoke, but. Uh, when I was in town in New Orleans, um, I, I quick I got a chance to spend a little time with a guy who had, had some ends in the team, and uh, he he said some stuff about Ellis that I can't really get into detail about. But it was pretty disturbing, um, and mostly character stuff. It's interesting because Ellis he's kind of flown under the radar in New Orleans. Like he he's not that outspoken. He doesn't do a lot of interviews. You don't really hear the coaches talk very highly or lowly of him. He's mostly stayed out of trouble. So, I, I mean, Ellis isn't like one of those guys like Harper or Vilma that, that I feel like a lot of the fans know a lot about. You know, he's yeah. kind of flown under the radar, and he, he's kind of he's kind of had this vague presence to a lot of to a lot of fans. And uh, well, so defensive defensive linemen, even I, defensive. Sorry, 
defensive tackles are like they're kind of like offensive guards in that if they can just they just kind of when the defense gets roasted you'll pick on the secondary because you'll see Harper get burned you'll see Jabari Greer get burned but a defensive tackle even if the team runs for 200 yards you might not a, a fan that's just watching the game as a casual fan they won't necessarily see a play where Cedric Ellis gets dump trucked and, and, and focus all their anger on him. You, like you say, he can just kind of, he just kind of slide well, by. That's true. I mean, the part of the position that he plays, that that's definitely a factor, but it, I mean, again, it's, it's a personality thing too. You know, yeah. he, he, he wasn't doing interviews. He, Cause I mean, a guy like Cam Jordan is always doing interviews or, you know, uh, Sean Rogers, the one year he was in New Orleans, was doing interviews all the time, and you know, or Norman Hand at the defensive tackle yeah. was the guy you heard of all the time. So, yeah, I mean, so anyway, the stuff I heard about him was, was pretty negative from a char- character standpoint, and from everything I've heard, a lot of his teammates and the coaching staff are just fed up with him. Like, you know, this, this guy doesn't fit the Saints. We, we don't really want him around anymore. Yeah, you know, and and, and you know, a lot of times when guys get signed on Twitter, you see all the players all of a sudden be like, good luck, homie, you're the best, you know, you're, you know, we'll, we'll miss you, but you'll do great, and you feel like a lot of the Saints players, they, they get a lot of that love when they sign with other teams. I haven't really seen anyone on the Saints congratulate Fed Ellis or really say anything positive to him. Yeah. Um, well, so, let's... again, that kind of clues me in, like, this guy didn't really have like, any close relationships. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, honestly, I think I just think he he kind of had a bad attitude. Well, if one guy that you know he left and nobody you know seemed he seemed to get no no love on the way out of the door. One guy did sign today. Devery Henderson signed with the Redskins, and Devery Henderson is a guy that Saints fans hated him. Uh, then liked him, then overvalued him, then hated him again, then loved him. To me, he is a guy, Kevin, that if you told me every year in the NFL draft, we're going to give you a guy that's going to give you a career like Devery Henderson got, gave you with your second-round pick, or you can have you can reach into the bag and maybe get a Hall of Famer, I'm taking Devery Henderson every time. Yeah, he, he, he wasn't a 1,000-yard receiver, but he did. He blocked. He knew every wide receiver position so he could play them all in a pinch for the Saints. Uh, and he filled that role of the deep guy. So um, your thoughts on Devery Henderson? Well, uh, let, let me tell you, right after, right after uh, Ralph said uh, Devery Henderson signed with somebody else, that, that, that there was, that, that I, I felt a, I felt like a gust, like a hot breath, if you will, uh, move across the back of my neck. And, and I think that was, I could feel Dave's exasperated <laughs> sigh uh, from <laughs> yes. from all, all the way from New Orleans. Like, Dave, Dave, like, you'll have an easier time finding Dave going on extolling the, the, the virtues of Devery Henderson and slamming those who don't like him. You'll, you'll have a better time finding that than me going on about Cedric Ellis. But, Dave was the president and chairman of the Devery Henderson fan club. Yeah. So I, I immediately, when I heard about that, I immediately uh, felt bad for Dave, tweeted out to him, you know, wanted to reach out, let him know that it was okay. Uh, he needed a shoulder to cry on. Maybe not, maybe not so much mine, but maybe go find somebody else. 
I, I don't know where Hans is. Maybe he can go cry on Hans' shoulder. But, yeah, it, I mean, it's, it's weird because it, was he was he the last of uh, of Hazlitt's guys? Yep. yep. No, wow. no, Will, they got Will Smith still. Ooh. Fuck, I, see, see, I'd forgotten Will Smith was... Uh... Will Smith and him were the same draft. I think they were the same draft. I think Will Smith... Lance Moore was the Hazlitt guy, too. Yeah, he was the practice guy. But but Will Smith, I think Will, Will the year Will Smith got picked, uh, Devery Henderson was the second-round pick that year. Okay. Well, uh, one more, one step closer to, I guess, no more Hazlitt guys. And sadly, that's not totally a, uh, a good thing because, as you guys have just demonstrated, you know, Henderson and Moore and Will Smith, I suppose, in his, in his better times. But... I was on. I was definitely on the "don't throw it fucking stone hands" uh, bandwagon for a number of years, and then finally, I think, I don't know, maybe around oh, maybe, maybe around oh eight, I started to turn around, and so fortunately, I was, I was supportive of him for the Super Bowl run. Not that fucking matters, I guess, but. It, it, he he flashed. He had enough good moments. He he flashed brilliance. He certainly made up for for all those bad fucking times when he couldn't when he couldn't catch a fucking cold. If you set him in a room full of kinder, sick kindergartners, uh, and and you know you guys saying he knew how to block and all this, I'll I'll yield to uh, to your expertise on that. Juge, ex- explain it to so you. Watch the film. Yeah. You watch the film. Explain to explain to people if they are stumbling onto this podcast for the first time. Explain to them how valuable Devery Henderson was to the Saints' offense in general. Well, yeah, I mean, it, you know, he—it's he, a lot of stuff that doesn't show up on the stat sheet necessarily. I mean, he, he had a lot of big plays, and if you look at his average yards per catch, I mean, it's outstanding. I mean, one of—I think for his career, he—he's in the top five in NFL history, um, or something for like a minimum number of catches. So, um, he's—he's he's got a high high reception average. I mean, he's definitely made plays, but uh, yeah, like you said, you know, he, very able and willing blocker and. Part of blocking is effort. You know, you got to have a receiver that's aggressive, that that isn't afraid to kind of stick his neck out there, and and so part of it's effort, but part of it's technique too. And you know, he also has the frame and the strength um, to kind of bully a, a corner, a smaller corner, if if you know there's a sweep coming his way. And uh, you know, he did a lot of stuff too when they're when they're played downfield, when when the running back hit the second level, or Jimmy Graham beat his man, broke a tackle and was kind of running downfield, you were always seeing Devery race downfield and, and make that last block, finish play. And that, that's the thing that a lot of young receivers struggle with. You know, the minute the ball gets away from them, they start to slow down and they, they get caught watching. And you're never supposed to do that. The coaches teach, don't get caught watching the play. Always finish the play. No matter where you are on the field, there is a purpose to – to, to to the play, and you can help the play by finishing the play, and and that that's what Devery Henderson always did, 
And he, I mean, even just off the field, you know, I mean, we always read about how he was the first one there. He was always staying after. I mean, just one of the hardest workers on the team. And he came to the Saints really raw as a guy that could run fast, and that was it. And he has polished his skills over the last 10 years so much that, you know, as he as he's aged and he's lost a step, he's still been able to help the team because he's refined all these other parts of his game. So um, he, he's, a, he's been a great receiver for the Saints, and really he's kind of been a Louisiana hero, in my opinion, when you look at the Bluegrass Miracle and the national touchdown cha- catch he had against – yeah, national championship – the touchdown catch he had against Ole Miss late in the game in the fourth oh. quarter where he broke broke his arm catching that touchdown. Oh, I forgot about um, that. That was an incredible play where he literally broke his arm as he caught the touchdown pass and she won the game. Um, and then he comes to the Saints, and you know, he had numerous great years. He was part of the Super Bowl team. He caught the, the record-breaking touchdown pass that breathed through um, against the Chargers. He, he, he scored, you know, the, the touchdown record for consecutive games. He's the one that caught that pass. So, um, Devery Henderson has numerous major, major moments in Louisiana sports history as far as I'm concerned. He's made a lot of plays. And so, um, I, I think if you, if you look at kind of the Louisiana sports heroes, He's in that mix. I mean, I think he belongs in the Louisiana Hall of Fame. I really do. Well, yeah, and and, he, and he's in. I mean, it's a discussion where, you know, he, you can argue. I think you can maybe make an argument for him as the best Saints player from LSU. Maybe. I mean, yeah, it's a tough. Yeah, well, no, Eric Martin was really I mean, Eric Martin. Good, but, yeah, but I mean, yeah, it, I'd say Eric Martin. But I mean, look, the thing about Devery Henderson is. There's so many receivers, especially with the speed that he had, that come into the league with this prima donna diva attitude, and they never get any better. And yes, they're fast as hell. And and when you're that fast, when you're as fast as the four three speed that Devery Henderson had when he entered the league, there's always going to be a place for you on a roster. But the minute you tear your ACL or you turn your ankle or you drop enough passes, you're going to get cut. And I feel like a lot of these receivers, the speed comes with the attitude. And a lot of times that sours people on. Uh, but Devery Henderson had an amazing skill, but he was always working hard and he was always refining it. And so, you know, we talk about Marcus Colson's attitude, but I, I viewed Devery Henderson as, as the same way in a lot of ways. He's kind of a quiet guy. Uh, he worked really hard. He did all the right things. He was not a showboat. You know, when he scored a touchdown, he didn't go nuts in the end zone and, you know, basically pour a lot of – he tried to get a, pull a lot of attention his way. And so I have a lot of respect for Henderson too. I mean, I, I think he's a great example and a great athlete to uh, model your game after if, if you're a young receiver. And I think he's a great guy to look up to. I mean, I, I have no beef with Henderson, and he was a great saint. And I'm really sorry to see him go. Yeah, and one final note, Kevin, as a as a fantasy football player, I'm really going to miss like in week 13, 12, when your wide receivers are banged up and you're desperate and you're like, fuck it, I'm just taking Devery Henderson. I'm picking him up and I'm hoping he has the four cut, the four catch 110 yard game for a touchdown. I'm going to miss that. That that shit was classic. It was. It was the Devry. It was literally the Devry Henderson. I'm buying the Devry Henderson lottery ticket this week. 
Well, I mean, that can still happen with the Redskins. It could, it could, but I think it's. I think with the. I think with the Redskins and Leatherface Shanahan, it's less likely. But all right, now we got to get to um, the bracket uh, this week. Kevin, what's the, what's the, uh, what's the name of this week's bracket? By the way. This is the oh my god region. Yeah, it's pretty strong too. You got some some. It's pretty strong. Uh, it's got the. I'm gonna just say it. It's got the number one overall seed, Romstein, and Duhast, and they're facing the number sixteen seed. Which this is a this is a strong number sixteen seed. Uh, Blur song number two. Uh, I would say I would against anybody else. I would seriously consider Blur here, Juge, but I'm not. It's Duhast all the way. Yeah, I mean, what an unfair matchup for a great song. You know, I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, Rammstein is a major, major threat to go all the way. And, uh, I mean, for me, they're they're clearly one of the favorites. Um, You know, I mean, it doesn't matter what the lyrics are. It's angry, it's loud, and it's German. It is. I'm not really sure what the lyrics mean, but it almost doesn't matter. As long as the words are German, it's scary. Um, So, yeah, uh, it's Rammstein, no doubt. Uh, Kevin? Yeah, well, it's irrelevant anyway, but fucking, I'll I'll make it, I'm going to make it the uh, the full sweep here and and go with Rammstein. Um, Yeah, so, while I was researching the songs, I found out that it does not mean you hate. There is a apparently there's two different ways to spell "hust," and the way that Rammstein goes with it, it it basically just means to have or you have. And apparently the entire song is mocking some sort of uh, classic uh, marriage vow uh, ceremony. And I think that's even more hilarious. It is. Yeah. It is. So yeah, I, 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 I got go <laughs> All right. So we got the 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 eight nine matchup. The eight is Depeche Mode, Personal Jesus. The nine is mm-hmm. Seven Nation Army, White Stripes. Uh, wow. Seven Nation Army is a good song, but it's kind of douchey when the Miami Heat fans <laughs> are doing it. So I'm going Personal Jesus here. Uh, Kevin, do you have a a choice for the peoples? Um, shoot. Uh, I, you know what? I I, I gotta put it down. I I gotta go personal Jesus on this one by Depeche Mode. It's like I love Seven Nation Army. I love the bass line, but you're right in that it just has a little bit of a douchey quality. Still a great song. I still listen to it, but yeah, personal Jesus, I I, I think gets me where I want to go as a as quote a pro wrestler. <laughs> Andrew, you know when the the White Stripes album came out, at first I was like, this is so lame. It's a guitar player and a drummer. I mean, who who would be into that? It's not even a full band. So I I really thought it was the dumbest thing. This is why I knew nothing about Jack White and then Once I found out more about the band, and yeah, he's actually a great songwriter and amazing guitar player and. I, I, I kind of started to like the, the band, and then I started to like the song. So, I, you know, I kind of pulled a 180, and it is a great song, but kind of taking the douche factor a step further, um, a lot of European soccer stadiums, a lot of European soccer fans 
you know, will will chant that song, but they will chant the bass line. So you, you hear, if you watch any soccer on yeah. ESPN Sport or Fox yeah. Soccer Channel, you hear those European players, sorry, the European fans going, da, 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 and you're just like, what are you doing? This is this is awful. Um, so, and and I love Depeche Mode. Depeche Mode's kind of like a British classier Nine Inch Nails, but still has a little bit of that goth factor and a little bit of that electronic vibe to them, and it, it's got that 80s kick. Um, Personal Jesus is a great tune. It's got that, Personal Jesus has that little guitar lick in it that's kind of a groovy ri- rhythm, and then, you know, obviously it's got the, the synth aspect, so, yeah, I, it's a, a full sweep for me. Yeah, um, and Personal Jesus combined with Kevin walking to the ring is a little bit odd, and I think that's what that's what I'm always shooting for. I, I want what we're going for, it, yeah. Yeah, so the 512... Um, five is Red Red Hand by Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds, and number twelve, our own Andrew Juge, Iron Eagle. Uh, Andrew, you get to vote first. Well, I'm going to vote for myself, um, <laughs> ob- obviously, because first of all, Iron Eagle is a masterpiece. Um, since it, it is. went on iTunes it for a dollar sixty nine. Uh, it's been downloaded. I, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, Ralph. I think it's number seven on the alternative iTunes charts right now. It is. Or is it? Is it up to six? It is up to six. Um, okay. So obviously the people are downloading I it. it. I mean that speaks for it. itself. Um, but uh, lastly, Google image Nick Cave and take a look <laughs> at that motherfucker's face. I. Re- to lose to a goddamn Australian with a face like that, that guy can go fuck himself. I'm picking myself. <laughs> Andrew getting angry. Uh, Kevin, uh, go ahead and vote. Oh. Uh, Nick fucking Cave. I, 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 personally, I love Nick Cave. I absolutely adore Nick Cave. I love Nick Cave. I, I, you know, I, I, I could listen to him at any point, and and it's great. And you know, that fuck. That's why Red Right Hand got the five seed. Um, that's a terrible that five also, seed, by the way. That and also, Jude. That also, Jude was adamant. He was begging me to match him up against Red Right Hand or against a Nick Cave song. Um, and I told him I would. So I, I figured out some seeding. Uh, I, I did some seeding trickeration that. Uh, that the NCAA gods would be uh, proud of. Uh, and as much as I want to vote for Nick Cave, just to A, uh, fuck with Juge, and B, put the onus on you, Ralph, I, I, I can't mm. do it. I got I to gotta get Juge at least for the second round because the beauty is if Iron Eagle makes it to the Sweet 16, Juge then has to write me a full song. Yeah. To, 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 put, into the comp- to, to, to put into the full voting round. So I think that would be great to just see with to, to to watch Juge, you know, really explore the space, really see it what is. he can, uh, really see what he can do, uh, and just throw that out there. So and I'm gonna go Iron Eagle. I'm going Iron Eagle too. And just for the record, um, Red Red Hand, it, it, it's a it's a shitty song. I, I'm with Juge. I hate Nick Cave. Um, but also just as a as an intro song for wrestling, it's even worse. 
Um, it just makes no sense. I think Andrew would have beaten almost anybody, but but Nick Cave, he deserves to have the clean sweep, so I'm going to give it to you, Andrew. I, I'm voting Iron. Taste it, Nick Cave. What's up? Taste it. Oh. <laughs> uh, so now we got to go to this one. This one's a tough one. Um, it's uh, when the levee breaks, Led Zeppelin, uh, and let me clear my throat, DJ Cool. Uh, Kevin, I'll let you go first. Shit. All right. I fucking, I've loved both songs for as long as I can remember. Fuck, I didn't even know what, 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 who DJ Cool was. I just knew I've heard this song. It's the Ed Lover I song. I love it. It's the Ed Lover right. from YoMT, right? YoMTV raps. We are old. I, I mean, I, I had no clue. I just knew that I loved this song. And the when the levy breaks, that was always like the first one, the first CDs I ever bought, and the first Led Zeppelin CD I ever bought was Led Zeppelin Four, obviously, because that's you know, it's almost a fucking rite of passage. And that was always my favorite song on the album. It it, it still is. The badass intro, the whole deal. I just, I just love that, and I love how it's like a, a full minute long before Robert Plant even starts singing, and how even when he does sing, he sings for like twenty seconds, and then boom, Jimmy Page just goes off again, and 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 you know, the fucking drummer. Uh, Bonham goes ape shit. Like it's a whole lot of just like like Jimmy Page, uh, Robert Plant doesn't even get wound up until midway through the song. It's it's everybody else sh- shining in that. So I kind of I you know I kind of have to go when the levee breaks on this. Uh, Andrew. Yeah, we're not really creating much suspense here. No, you're not. No, but I mean, it's it's obvious. I mean, if anyone knows anything about my musical taste, then you know what I'm going to pick here. But um, I'll, I will say this. I mean, No, no Quarter is probably my favorite Led up song. And I would say that When the Levy Breaks is a very close second. Kevin, everything you just said is music to my ears, literally, figuratively, whatever. Um, I guess that's a pun. But anyway. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> the thing about Led Zeppelin that you, and the thing you said about Plant that I've always respected about him so much is he knew he had a badass band and he knew he had something really special. And there's so many singers out there. Um, you know, as much as I love Soundgarden, um, Chris Cornell has a bad habit of sometimes just getting in the way of the song. And he, I just want to be like, fuck, man, just back off for a second and let your kick-ass band do this thing. And, and, you know, and then come back into it, you know. And Robert Plant, as genius and amazing as he was as a frontman singer, had an uncanny ability and, and, and amount of restraint to step away from a song and let his band kind of take over the mood. Um, and, and I always had so much respect for him there. And, 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 yeah, When the Levy Breaks is a perfect example of a song where he does that. Plus there's the, the whole Katrina. There's, there's the whole, like, a New Orleans thing and Ralph is from or Kevin's yeah. from New Orleans and you know so That's it's kind true. of an entry tune there's a nice little touch there I think that, that kind of ties it in nicely um, and I, I'll tell you one thing about Let Me Clear My Throat 
in college, my freshman year, this kid uh, would wake up every morning at 7 a.m. to go to class, and he would blare <laughs> nice. two things. He would blare Bone Thugs and Harmony, which I know everyone my, my age and my age range loved that when it came out. Well, I fucking hated it. Because that kid would wake me up every morning at 7 a.m., and what I would hear was, bone, 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 and I just wanted to split my wrists. And um, the other thing was let me clear my throat. And he would play that almost every morning without fail. It was my 7 a.m. wake-up call. I still, to this day, can't hear that song without going back to that experience. And it just makes me angry. It makes me want to hit someone. Um, so, I mean, th- this this is a bigger landslide than me beating, beating Nick Cave, as far as I'm concerned. Well, I have the exact opposite feeling that you have for Let, my, let Me Clear My Throat. When I was living in California in 06, since it's California, the Saints would kick off at 10 a.m. I would wake up, usually, and go for a run, and then find a bar to go watch the Saints. And that was the first song to start my run and I would just I, it just reminds me of 06 and the Saints and I just love it and even though it's defeated I'm voting for it anyway I love you DJ Cool I'll love you forever um, so, so it's kind of like you're stand up and get crunk it is It is kind of like that for me like I, I just like I, would, I could that. run and in California, the weather, the weather was always perfect and it would be like, you know, 8.45 and you go over these 30, 40 minute runs and you, you just be thinking about the game and maybe my column of how I'm going to write it if they win and how I'm going to write it if they lose. And it's just, I just, it just, it, 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 whenever I hear it, it just, it just brings me there, which is a good, a good memory for me. Not a, not like you where you were getting woken up every day at 7 a.m. So. Um, now we got this one's this one is uh an interesting one. Rock and roll ain't noise pollution, A C D C uh Reigns of Castamere, the National, which uh Reigns of Castamere had been a little thing with uh Game of Thrones, but I know Kevin's been watching it and I don't think he's caught up, so we won't do any spoilers for him. I mean uh, fuck, I already know I already know what happens, dude. You don't have to I mean I already the, I already know what Reigns of Castamere means, it's, and it's not going to prevent me from enjoying season three whenever I get around to seeing it. Spoiler alert! Everybody fucking dies. Um, yeah, fucking William Shakespeare writes Hamlet, looks at this, and goes, "Jesus Christ, guys, tone it down." That shit was <laughs> that shit was just hardcore. The thing, and total aside, the the one thing I hate about Game of Thrones is the people that read the fucking books. Can you just not be a douche in the comments when I'm reading reviews? Is that are you? Can you just do that? I guess not. But um. Andrew, I'll let you... You read the book, man. It was way better. Dude, the books... I tried it. The books blow, okay? He writes like 800 pages about Arya walking in the forest, all right? The, 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 the show is better because they chop all of George R.R. R. Martin's bullshit out, all right? So, Andrew, I'm off my rant on Game of Thrones. Go ahead and, and pick us a winner in this matchup. Uh... I mean, I I don't really care about this one. Uh, <laughs> I, neither song inspires me. Both are fine, but I guess I'll go with ACDC. Uh, I will go ACDC as well. No, I'm going to go – Kevin needs to make a call. I'm going Reigns of Casimir because it's a good song by the Nationals. Kevin, you're going to have to make a call here. 
Well, shit, I honestly, I, I really and truly thought this was going to be a clean sweep. I'm going to go reign to Casimir by the National because when I first tweeted, first of all, when, when, when the episode happened and everybody was going ape shit, and then I searched, I came across the song, which I actually heard from season two, and I was like, holy shit, this song sounds great. And then I was like, yeah, man, I, maybe I should put this in the tournament. I tweet that out. The first fucking tweet I get back is from Andrew Juge saying, saying, oh, my God, this is, this is terrible. Or, 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 no, 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 it was, I pissed myself. Oh, shit, like, that was that song? Yes, that was the song. Oh, shit, that's a clean tweet. <laughs> I, 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 sorry, okay, sorry, so I, it is a clean sweep. So it is a clean, a clean sweep. sweep. Then. I didn't realize because that was the same Jude, song. Dude was mortified by that song. He was <laughs> utterly mortified by that song. And I just think, again, if you're looking to like confuse people and suddenly that is true. If you're looking to completely take the air out of the out of a room, you know, you get the guy who goes in ahead of you. He's coming out with a bunch of hip hop nonsense. He parades around the ring, fucking gets everybody to high five around ringside, all the children are laughing and giggling and shit, and then all of a sudden you hear this, and I just come walking, not running, but walking, and I just, like, give everybody a fucking death stare. I climb into the ring. I don't even bother walking around. I just climb into the ring, and it's like, you know, the Lannisters send their regards, and then, boom, the bell rings. Everybody's going to be like, what the fuck? I, and I am, if there is one thing that I am going to be all about in pro wrestling, it's going to be making people go, what the fuck? Yeah, you're about making people uncomfortable. That's Yeah, I'm glad you reminded me of this because I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to back this much harder in round two. Yeah. All right, so now we've got the three, them bones, Alice in Chains, and number 14, You Can't Bring Me Down, Suicidal Tendencies. That's a really good song. You can't bring me down suicidal tendencies. Um, but I don't know if it's entrance music quality. So I'm going to go Them Bones. Uh, Kevin, you're picking here. Uh, uh, Wang was actually one of the guys. It, Wang actually suggested this song, and I listened to it. I really liked it. And when I was doing the seating, I, I was like, okay, I'll match it up against this. And, and I was like, yeah, this this looks good. <clears throat> I think this will be a nice discussion. And then and then I gave them both a listen recently, and I was like, man, Jesus Christ, man. Them bones just, like, there's a reason that, there is a real reason I had it as number three, because it is that fucking good. Like even more, even more than than "And We Die Young," even more than than other Alice in Chains songs that I could have picked and could have put in. Them Bones just starts. It's it's zero to sixty from from the second you push play, and it doesn't stop. It goes. It's it's zero to sixty and just stays that. Like you could drive the fucking German autobahn. And and crank this the entire way, and it's perfectly legitimate. It totally works. So I got to go them bones. Andrew. Yeah, Allison Chains kind of has that that sludgy, howling vibe to their songs. It's just um, 
it's haunting. That's it. that's the best way I can describe Alton. The really good Alton Chain songs is they haunt you. Um, but that that song in particular, Lance Daly just comes out with that that yell right as the song starts. And um, so yeah, I mean it kicks you in the face right from the first second, like Kevin said. And then it's got that heavy riff. And then and then the depth of their harmonies steps in right away. And it, it's kind of got that almost. Um, I don't know quite how to describe it, but that song is, is, is epic. It really is. So, I mean, it's a no-brainer for me. Yeah. Slammed up. So now we got number seven um, and verse number ten. And one of these songs I had, ne- one of these I had never heard of, and I heard it and I love it. Uh, but number seven, My Hero, Foo Fighters. Number ten, Holy Diver. Is it, how do you say it? Dio, I think? Dio. Dio. D- Come D- on, man. You've never heard of Dio? I've never heard of Dio. I James Dio, bro. I knew I recognized it. I, I I recognized who he was when I saw the vi- the awful fucking video of it, which is makes it even better. But this song, people will hear it and they will be fucking confused, Kevin, because they won't be sure if it's a real song, if it's a parody. Um, I think Holy Diver is gotta be. It's gotta go. It's gotta move along because I think it just. For the if you if you're gonna go weird and wacky entrance music to really make people perk up their ears and eyes and go, what the fuck's going on? It's got to be Holy Diver. That's what I'm voting for. So, uh, Kevin, your selection. Shit. Damn it, I don't know. I don't know. You know what? Fuck it. I'm I'm gonna go I'm leaving Holy Diver and here's the reason I'm doing it. Not for any of the reasons you gave, but simply because I have this sneaking suspicion I'm going to wind up being a bad guy. I can still somehow wind up being a good guy. I just suspect I'm going to wind up being a bad guy. And I don't think as a bad guy I can come out to a song named My Hero. Yeah, that's true. So I, I, I will uh, lean Holy Diver. Andrew? Yeah, I'm like, I, I love the Foo Fighters and I love that tune. I think it's a great, a great song, especially musically. The, the, the only place where it kind of loses me is in the chorus. And um, don't I've never loved the chorus of that song. And I don't, like Kevin said, I don't want him to be a hero. I want him to be creepy. I want him to be a little weird. I want him to be a little frightening because of the insanity factor. Um, I, I don't want him to be a good guy. So, so heroes out. I, I would think hero would be out against a lot of. Even though it's a good song, it would be out against a lot of, a lot of songs. But Holy Diver by Dio is just a, a slow, nasty rocker. You know, I talked about that face that you make. Some songs just make you do that face, and Holy Diver is one of them. So, Dio all the way. Yeah. So now we got the the last matchup of this round, and it's two life is life in marvelous times, most deaf, which is a great song, and number fifteen seed return of the Mac, Mark Morrison. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna not go first here, Andrew. We'll let you go first on this one. This one was a hard one for me, a real hard. One. It is a hard one. Two good songs. I'm going the upset here. I'm I'm going with the fifteen. Solid song. Both are good. You could go either way. Um, but ultimately I just feel like 
Um, I just feel like we got to shake things up a little bit and look at I mean, I'll, I'll spoil the suspense for you. I'm picking Holy Diver over either of these, so it doesn't really matter. <laughs> uh, I'm going to, you know, I, I want to make, I want to say, I want to make Kevin make a call. Uh, and Life in Marvelous Times is really good. But the thing about Return of the Mac is if Kevin is a villain and he wants to ham it up, I think <laughs> Return of the Mac would be just fantastic. Because if you have, like, roided up Kevin... He gains like four, if he's roided up and he gets it and he's like he's gone to the tanning bed like three straight days and he's wearing the speedo the banana hammock and he comes in and he's, he's oiled up and you got and he bleached his teeth and yeah. he bleached his teeth and he's bleached his teeth and he's got the little stubble and he comes in the return of the Mac I mean that just is off the charts spectacular I mean you 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 couldn't possibly beat that. So that's why I'm going Return of the Mac. I just I have that picture in my mind. So that's what I'm going. But Kevin, uh, what's your vote? <laughs> it's irrelevant. And I tell you what, uh, I, I I was gonna do I was gonna go Life in Marvelous Times because just got a great fucking beat, and it's and even in the middle parts, it's got like this orchestral vibe to it. Uh, mm-hmm. Uh, but. <laughs> but since since it's irrelevant anyway, and since every other single vote that we've done in this bracket has been a three-person sweep, I will continue that. And this whole this entire bracket in this first round will have nothing but three-person sweeps. And I have been swayed by your arguments as well as my inane logic. I will also go with the fifteen upset return of the Mac. I like how my arguments always begin. I can picture Kevin roided up. <laughs> so this bracket was uh, this bracket. We actually it was maybe the most fun of them all because each one of us got a meltdown rant, and also it went rather quickly and didn't take sixty minutes, and we didn't have a ninety-minute uh, War and Peace podcast. So that's a positive as well. Uh, we've got one more bracket to go for first-round matchups. The second, the second round for that bracket is I'm, is going to be horrible. This, it's going to be really, this, really. This brutal. bracket was was pretty. I mean, it was pretty stacked. I mean, you look at you look at some of the songs that were like. I mean, I would argue. The blur, you know, blur or um, personal Jesus or when the levee breaks. I mean, those should have been higher seeds, but you know, it, it's it's he, Kevin is a one man committee. He's not like he's got the NCA committee. He's got a committee of twenty to do seeds. He's got to do it, uh, you know. So it isn't easy. Um, but uh, on that note, I will let Led Zeppelin when the levee breaks take us out. Uh, Go to Saints Nation, people, and read Andrew Huge. Uh, go to Canal Street Chronicles because you never know when you'll find the Easter egg of Kevin Held's writing. And also go to Canal Street Chronicles and read part three of Who Dat History, which I wrote very poorly, but Hans did an awesome job editing it and cleaning it up and finding YouTube clips of Jim Moore melting down. Go there, read it, comment, let's have fun, and remember 1987. For the boys, for our fearless leader who's MIA, I'm Ralph Marlboro. So long, until next week. Oh, my God!